Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 127 of Press Any Key. I am your hostess with the nunstess, Pat Navarano. With me, as always, my co-host, Mike Burke. He's here digitally tonight, sitting right next to me. He's really, it's AI Mike, everyone. Say hello to AI Mike. Uh, and like the, uh, uh, my wonderful fiance Liz on the ones and twos. Everyone hello. give it up for Liz. Um, so yeah, um, if you like anything you see here tonight, go ahead, like the video, share it around with your friends. Be like, hey, I like this podcast. And then your friends will like add it to their playlist and they won't ever touch it. But hey, it's, it's a thought that counts, right? Uh, and if you want to join our conversation, um, go to our comment section below or uh, you can click on the link down there and join our Discord and we have lots of fun in there. Lots of good times. So uh, yeah. So how was everybody's week? Oh, by the way, Nick's not here. <laughs> <laughs> if you couldn't like, tell. If you couldn't, couldn't tell. I feel like, um, have you seen the Olivia Rodrigo like fan meeting things? Like the uh, VIP tickets are basically, it's a screen of her. Like it's a TV screen and she's like in a different room and the people are like literally doing like a, a full body Zoom call with her. Wait, what? Um, why? What so kind of psycho shit is That's what this? we're doing here tonight. Wait, why? That's weird. Why would she do that though? I truly don't know, but I saw a bunch of people who were like K-pop fans, and they were like, "Hell yeah, full body with me." Yeah, apparently but K-pop it's super fans common are in like that. a a different breed. Like um, they're so down with stuff like that. A different mm-hmm. breed. Uh, so actually, it's funny you bring up Olivia Rodrigo because have you seen the video of her screaming into the microphone? Oh, her her clean scream. Her, yeah, it's a it's choice. The first time I've ever heard some uh, of scream be clean. Like, <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know who on her team told her that that was a good idea because on my timeline, it was nothing but people like I'm talking like I saw one post had 36,000 likes of her just chewing her out being like, damn, yo, this is one of the worst things I've heard in my life. Like I actually (laughs) saw positive support for it. I mean, you would, though, because you're in her main demographic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like it it creates a sense of community to rally behind that. But you know better because you actually listen to metalcore. I do. And I listen to metalcore and uh, Mike doesn't listen to metalcore. (laughs) However, listen to enough. I listen to enough screaming people. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard enough screaming memes in my day. Okay, to know (laughs) what's going on out there. All right. Um. Uh, but on Thursday, we went and saw Memphis Mayfire. We did. At House of Independence in Asbury. And we were, the reason why we went was because it was one of those things where I got a targeted ad. You know what I mean? And like, it was $20 to go to the show. So I hit up my one friend who I knew likes the music like that. And we, uh, the three of us go down to the show. Now, Mike, do you remember Memphis Mayfire in 2012? Big band, big hits. Big band, one of the biggest bands going. Big hits. <laughs> you know, to be fair, to be fair, they were a big band, but there really is only like one or two songs that you're like, yeah, that's a fucking Memphis Mayfire song. I feel like all of them, you know, like I just don't feel like they ever had it to get to the other side to really, you know what I mean? And it was evident in that room that night because there was only, that room is only, as far as I understand, is only a 500 cap room. And I, I would say at least at least three hundred people were there. I would be. I would say that. You know what I okay. mean? Okay, that's I don't, not horrible. Not horrible, but also I saw this band used to play to thousands of people per night. Yeah. I mean, like the cap is five hundred. Yes, cap is five hundred. So 
No cap. No cap. <laughs> there was no cap. That is. But correct. yeah. So um. But anyway. Uh. So we're doing all this shit talking though, and uh, we end up meeting the singer Maddie Mullins, and we hung outside with him around the back of the venue because that's just where our parking spot was for like an hour, and he was a really cool yeah. dude. No, that was awesome. I can't tell if he had. He didn't smell. He didn't smell like alcohol. But it was very loosey goosey. Could just be like adrenaline rush getting mm. off stage. Uh, okay. I, I mean, don't know. Sure. I've never been on a stage talking to the person who's been on a stage, so you tell me. I don't know. After I get off stage, normally I'm like, nobody fucking talk to me for at least 15 minutes, please. I need to like <laughs> decompress and like, I just use my voice for two hours straight. The last thing I want to do is l- have a thought about have an speaking. Hour conversation with yeah, like- exactly. That's the other thing too. Is I, I hate when I hate when I get off stage and people are like, first of all, let I hate at involving alcohol with anything to do with my voice. So like when everyone's like, let's take shots before the show. I'm, no, not for me. Um, and then afterwards, after I've done all that singing, you think I want to just fucking start? having drinks no i every every show i i always drink water remember the last one we went to liz uh (laughs) everyone was like come on pat we want you to enjoy yourself i was like you guys you guys think I've done all this? Also, but like, I tell that to the <laughs> tell that to the ten milligram gummy you had in I'm the car. Too damn too. Old. Well, that's true too. Is that that's the other thing? Is that I, I guess the way I I have fun after shows is by doing gummies. So like, after I get off stage and like the venue starts to clean out and we start to you know get get our stuff together, I'll eat like a five or ten milligram gummy and then go out. You know what I mean? And I'll just sip water for the rest of the night and just. Just bask in the glory of <laughs> of our achievements. <laughs> so, um, not a great segue, but um, speaking of basking in the glory, <laughs> glory of um of your achievements. Oh boy. Um, Aston Kutcher and Mila Kunis. You know, God forbid any Hollywood celebrity rests on their laurels. You know what I mean? They always got to have something to fucking say, and um. Boy, what a miscalculation this was, huh? Dude, the my so, favorite my favorite part of this is you can hear the clicking of the mouse that she's moving through her PowerPoint slides that she's like reading. Oh, that someone prepared for her. Yeah, it's it's oh, not it's like Oh man. Yeah, you can you can hear it's either the first, I think the first time that like Mila Kunis speaks that you can hear an audible like laptop click <laughs> to like go to the next slide. So, I have the article here from CNN Entertainment. Um and the uh the headline is Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis say they're aware their letters on behalf of Danny Masterson caused pain. Boy, you just man you you didn't just dig the hole deeper. You picked the fucking golden shovel to dig the mm-hmm. hole with. Um, so I don't know if uh, so. Most people know is in the news this weekend is that uh, rapist Danny Masterson is serving two consecutive fifteen year sentences on two charges of rape. I don't know any of the evidence or any of the ins and outs of this trial. I didn't follow it. Although the only thing I know is that it's very hard to prove a rape can to get a rape conviction on someone and to get two back to back 15 year sentences is kind of fucking unheard of. And I feel like that's what makes this so damning. You know what I mean? Like there's no question now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the history of these things going in the way of the person who was victimized, 
um not historic historically not great yeah so the fact that this went the way it did with such with such a um um with such a uh, um a just outcome we'll say that right where we so seldomly get an actual just outcome yeah thanks one thanks of the, for saying that that's that's what yeah. i wanted to say yeah uh, one well, of the uh, one of the other things that had happened with this was um it's um they they had like they were writing all of these letters basically like you know in support of him as a character of like of who they knew him yeah and they're like you know defending themselves this is ashton kutcher milikun is <sighs> defending themselves basically or kind of defending themselves basically being like we wrote the letters of the guy we knew for 25 years and you know not yeah. of, based off his actions or everything i was like not once did they condemn him or yeah. say he's done a single thing and either or that or like allude to the fact that like he hid behind the church of scientology as like protection for all this time <laughs> so so yeah so but like, here's the thing the show ran from 1998 until 2006 these um rapes happened between 2001 and 2003 so well, yeah the so person that knew. you knew was also a rapist yes. yeah yep. like uh, so the other thing is too is that apparently like Topher grace would always distance himself from the rest of the cast and um so i i give leniency to him listen i used to watch that 70s show when it was on air not when it did netflix and then everyone in college watched it so um this was always shocking to me that hide you know of all people like the chill one was this absolute monster um and uh, what's it called? It doesn't surprise me at all that friggin' wannabe tech billionaire uh, Aston Kutcher would and make a move like this. I am surprised that Mila Kunis would make this, but then upon further review, she's a fucking bimbo too. So like, of course, well, she Ashton would, Kutcher like, helps run a like well, stop sex trafficking. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, he doesn't. No, he not anymore. He doesn't. <laughs> not anymore. There's no way that that's gonna work out. Um, the legitimacy, I feel like, of their characters and everything that they do from now on has been thrown into question. Like, there's no doubt. Like, there's that's how I feel about this. So, uh, on top of that, though, I feel like the eeriness of the video, too, the, like, total disconnect, the fact that she's wearing either little to no makeup and he's, like, just dressed in, like, a T-shirt with, like, five o'clock shadow and kind of messed up hair. You know what I mean? Like... It's very like, all right, let's try to appeal to the lowest common denominator type of vibe. You know what I mean? Hey, we're people too, and we make mistakes. It's like, no, that wasn't a mistake. Like, you thought people weren't going to see this. And the linchpin here is that these letters were sent after he was convicted. So these letters were sent to the judge upon sentencing in hopes to get a more lenient sentence. So... The deal was already sealed as far as Danny Masterson's fate yeah, was concerned. Yeah, he was convicted. Yeah, it was what. how much time was he going to serve? And that's when these the, letters uh, came in. So who are the other letters? Because apparently there's like 50 people advocated for his leniency. And the other two were uh, De Deborah, mm -hmm. uh, Joe Rupp, Rupp, Rupp yep. and um, Red Foreman. Red Foreman. <laughs> Red Foreman. But also, if he's in the Church of Scientology, I assume that a lot of those letters are from other members. Oh, yeah. But I also, well, first of all, I don't even want to invite Scientology into this conversation <laughs> because that's just an energy we don't need, number one. Uh, number two, though, 
I agree that there, I mean, church Scientology is very powerful. Like, so I'm, I'm, you don't, you guys find it kind of hilarious that like all these major news medias or outlets and they're only relatively mentioning Scientology or mm -hmm. they're not mentioning it at all. Because they don't want to fucking invoke that wrath. They know they it comes with to. that. They don't want that smoke. Like, no. so that's what's happening here, you know? So let's the just focus thing, um, on what this one guy did, you know? I saw on Twitter that um, people were like, oh, they definitely wanted them to sit in front of, you know how they have like that wooden slat background behind them? Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, find somewhere that looks like, you know, like you're a normal average person. Somebody on Twitter was like, well, I pulled up like, you know, the the pictures of their home and their property, and that's like a accent wall in front of a massive beautiful pool and lawn that like it's just like <laughs> they walked in front of it so they could look like they were in front of like, you know, a cheap barn kind of thing. I saw a tweet that was like, like I've seen this before and it was the somebody that you used to know background yeah. wall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I was wondering where I saw those people that but that's also the wall that they've used in other videos when they're speaking out about other stuff. So this so, wall makes a big debut. Real quick though, what's um um what what was their so their their whole justification for this just to stay on track is that he wanted that they were saying they were writing letters to be a character witness of the person that they know, not the monster he became. But they never specify that last part. And even then, I still think that after you knew he was convicted, you still went, you still, I don't know. I just, because a part of me is like, hey, man, they, they were friends for 25. It's like, yeah, but once you find out your friend's a monster, like you're not friends with them anymore. Because then what does that say about you? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's not easy by any by any point like yeah. I mean, you know life I'm not is complicated that that life context. is complicated right mike i it's mean you're black fucking, and white. you're a fucking digital ai now and like even you know that life is complicated <laughs> i've gained sentience you know i'm, <laughs> I'm learning every day <laughs> ai mike is currently learning emotions god even if it is even if uh you know what, i'm not even gonna float that idea let's just keep moving on um yeah, so this Speaking was motionless men. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I guess the question is for everybody out there. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Uh, this absolute fucking madhouse of a situation. Like, can you even go back and watch that 70s show now? Now that you know that they're monsters. You know what I mean? I can't even watch the ranch, and I loved that show. Oh, that was the other thing. When he got kicked off the ranch after the allegations, yeah. Aston Kutcher petitioned the studio to keep him on. Yeah, I'm not surprised. They killed well, him in a motorcycle. I, uh, well, okay, accident. to be if I were to be completely fair, if you're friends with somebody for 25 years and it's just allegations at that point, you you probably still have your boys back. That that's forgiven. However, once you have a conviction though, you know what I mean, and you've seen all the trial and you've been following it, which I'm sure they have, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just about if you're going to apologize, apologize correctly. Don't do like, uh, well, whatever this is. I don't want to get into the nuance of what someone would define as a correct apology. I personally think that a, a forced apology is apology born out of insincerity, therefore making it even more disrespectful. So like That's what I'm saying, like, like do it or don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shit or get off the pot pretty much. Right. Mm -hmm. Well. Um, don't bathe your kids. Well, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, <laughs> and don't bathe your kids. She, well, they don't. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, not to be outdone, uh, <laughs> were uh, 
Yeah, they. I. I don't. I, don't, I find this. Uh, I don't find this to be as heinous of an, of or as vile. We'll use the word vile as an act, but um, this is just lead singer syndrome gone crazy. So you guys, uh, you guys like Jimmy Fallon? Uh, up I in, hate him. <laughs> I was gonna say up until about a week ago. <laughs> well, okay, Mike. No. <laughs> why do you? Why? Okay, so why do you hate Jimmy Fallon? Because I remember Jimmy Fallon being funny. Well, now that I say this, I was like, I remember Jimmy Fallon being funny when I was in high school, and that's because I was in high school. There you go. Like he was like he on SNL. He's he's okay. I just feel him in like the Tonight Show or everything he does. Everything is so shoehorned, so unfunny. It's so just like saccharine <laughs> just and trying look, to look at this be... header image that they picked. Yeah, like, like look at the way all this is edited together with like listen. What Jimmy Fallon did was like you know he was fucking annoying. Don't get me wrong, and I think what his producer said to that one that one person about their weight was inappropriate as well. But he's not this level of monster where we need to like Castro black bar his eyes yeah. out and like <laughs> Jokerize his face. Like he's not that much of an animal. Um, no, no, but he's I just really an do asshole and a, he's a he's a he's an addict and an asshole. Like, um. So there are so apparently uh, it's common knowledge behind the scenes of the Today Show that there are quote good Jimmy days when Fallon's wit and charm and creativity are on full display and bad Jimmy days and this was a bad Jimmy day according to the employee <laughs> like <laughs> what it's like water cooler they talk. Say, it's like guys ah uh, Jimmy's on a, Jimmy's on one today watch out he's on one <laughs> they say Fallon seemed to be confused during the rehearsal that day in 2017 when he crossed out jokes on a piece of paper he was folding uh. Rift with the audience for a bit, then quizzically looked back down at the same sheet of paper. He couldn't remember that he just crossed it out himself. The employee says, "I was like, oh my god, he's he's drunk. He seems drunk. He doesn't know what he's doing. This could be awful. This could be the end of the show right here." Another staffer says they too witnessed the incident from the live studio feed inside their office. So, um, that seems a bit in innocuous, right? Like, but then it gets worse. According to two current and 14 former employees. <laughs> God damn, bro. Like, that's that's a lot. The Today Show has been a toxic workplace for years. Dude, this show's only been on for fucking nine seasons. <laughs> Dude, um, he's a bad man. He's far outside the boundaries of what's considered normal in the high-pressure world of late-night television. They say the... Because, uh, like, you know that Conan's basically had the same crew for, like, fucking 20 years, right? Yeah, because he's, he's awesome. Um, they say the ugly environment behind the scenes starts at the top of Fallon's erratic behavior and has tripled down to its ever-changing leadership teams. Nine showrunners in the past nine years. That Damn. that is not good by any metric. I uh, I talked to our TV guy there, um, Mike, and uh, yeah. he told me that is catastrophically bad to have a new showrunner every season. Oh, yeah. Who seemingly don't know how to say no to Jimmy. Former employees describe The Tonight Show as a tense and, quote, pretty glum atmosphere, with some alleging they were belittled and intimidated by their bosses, including Fallon himself. Employees describe being afraid of Fallon's, quote, outbursts and unexpected, inconsistent behavior. Many of these staffers voiced their concerns through HR complaints, but problems at The Tonight Show persisted. Seven. This is, this is, yeah. <laughs> this, this is yeah. This is right here. This is this is that part of the cult documentary where the abuse starts and it stops being fun. Um, yep. Seven former employees say their mental health was impacted by their alleged experiences working at the Tonight Show. 
These staffers say it was commonplace to hear people joking about, quote, wanting to kill themselves and that they would <laughs> refer to guests dressing rooms in the office as, quote, crying rooms because they would go there to let out their emotions when they were upset with their alleged mistreatment. God fucking damn it. That is brutal. It's just the sentence like, oh, I want to go kill myself. I'm going to go hang out in the crying room. And the other guy's like, sick, Bob's in there, but like give him 15. <laughs> yeah. uh, I booked the crying room uh, for 15 minutes <laughs> at three. So like, don't be in there. You look at please everybody's don't, outlook don't calendar. I put, it, I put this on the calendar, everyone. I'm crying at three. Okay. I'm having a good whale. So don't even come near the door. Killing myself at four. <laughs> <laughs> throwing myself out of the Radio City building. <laughs> Uh, the former staffers woke up to quote to Rolling Stone requested an anonymity out of fear of retaliation. Well, I mean, what's retaliation? Like, come on. They worked in a range of positions on the show from production crew members to office staffers and in the show's writer's room. Many of the former staffers say they left the show because of their met because of their mental health. Some say they were fired from the tonight show, but like, all right. It's a bummer because it was my dream job. One former employee says writing for the late writing for late night is a lot of people's dream jobs and they were coming into this and it becomes a nightmare very quickly. It's sad that it's like that, especially knowing that it doesn't have to be that way. Rolling. I mean, that's true. I feel like today's main demographic, you were like, Hey, what if, what if the tonight show came on 20 minutes later and everybody, you know, took a lap after we finished setting up the gear. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think the the demographic. Okay, yeah, labor rights, right? Just, yeah, uh, I mean, I just think these things are about like the person in charge and the demographic they set, and like the like you know atmosphere of the show that they're setting, and it's just consistently. I mean, like you said, like nine showrunners, nine years. Like Jimmy Fallon does not set up a healthy, fun environment to work for, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, shit. Like, yeah, I really want to do this. I really want to be in this business. Like. Maybe I wait it out. Maybe he gets replaced and then I get to write for the next dude or the next woman or whomever. But you're just like, fuck, man, I got to deal with this asshole. This is also the same guy who, like, during one of the mass shootings that we have in this country, which I get is not a great sentence to say. Um, he comes out and he goes, I don't know how to raise two daughters in this country, letting her know this violence goes on and we allowed to have it. And yet, like 15 minutes later, he's got whoever on uh like giggling the whole way through the bit like something like and, and then you ate the oreos like you know something like that you know like <laughs> like this is this is not a stable individual um <laughs> <laughs> after reaching out to representatives for fallon and nbc rolling stone reached out to an additional 30 current and former staffers while many of them praised fallon's fallon's immense talent and comedic gifts not a single one agreed to speak on the record or had positive things to say about working on the tonight show nor would any of the nine program showrunners since 2014 comment about the program's program's namesake on the record. They wouldn't even give statements of support as it is common in the entertainment industry. Yeah, those are called NDAs, and that's why you ain't getting any information. Nah, so um, instead of, they're not even like, look, like, you know, it had its ups and downs. They were like, but overall, I had a great experience. They were just like, literally no comment. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm um, not going to say anything. Yeah, I still throw knives at a dartboard because of that show, so we're not going to talk <laughs> about it here. Um, representatives for Fallon would not comment on the record for this story. After this report published, however, Fallon apologized uh, to staffers in an all-hands Zoom call. Quote, it's embarrassing and I feel so bad, Fallon said, according to two people who said they were on the call. 
Sorry if I embarrassed you and your family and friends. I feel so bad I can't even tell you. So here's the thing, though. This I buy. Like, I buy the sincerity in this because he didn't fucking do a social media thing. He didn't, like, you know, have his agents make a statement. NBC didn't say anything, right? Or NBC, yeah, NBC didn't say anything. He did it, and he did it to the people that it mattered to do it to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I get I, I, I get that. Like, come on. Like, is that not what an apology is supposed to be? It's not supposed to be like, sorry, Twitter. I, I got caught. Yes. It's wait, supposed to be, I, I fucked up. I see the error of my ways. I I apologize. I hope we can fix things and move forward. That's what it's supposed the, to be. An, an apology. You shouldn't apologize unless you have the intention of, like, correcting the wrong. Mm-hmm. In some way, like yeah. in this aspect, if you're just like, sorry, I'm an asshole, like that doesn't do anything. If you're just going to continue like perpetuate this environment and this type of like work. Yeah. Then like you, you can keep your apology. I really don't care. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've had a change of heart recently. I don't know. <laughs> I've become <laughs> softer now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this was the other article I found. I've, uh, <clears throat> And uh, widespread fear, voice their HR concerns. Yeah, this thing just says, uh, during the Zoom call, Fallon reportedly stressed that Miller, who took over the show on March 22, was a great leader and wouldn't be going anywhere. There have been no formal complaints during Miller's tenure, according to the source who spoke at Vanity Fair. So this guy who currently has a job is like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> um, <laughs> Why are you bringing me into yeah, it? Yeah, then it said, I want the show to be fun and should be inclusive to everybody. It should be the best show. Which, I mean, honestly, it should be. It's The Tonight Show. You know what I mean? Right. Previously, a spokesperson for NBC released a statement that defended the program but did not mention Fallon. We're incredibly... Yeah, of course they would. We're incredibly proud of The Tonight Show and providing the respectful working environment is a top priority. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, Representatives for Fallon NBC did not immediately return vanity queries. So, yeah, I think think this is water under the bridge at this point. You know what I mean? What do you think this is going to do for the podcast he's doing with uh, all the other late night hosts? Ooh. Unless all the episodes are already recorded. I, I know that they, pro- they probably do have a lot of pre-recorded stuff. They probably stuff. have quite a lot of banked episodes. I, could, I is, don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I don't think it's going to change anything. You don't really. think? Mm-mm. Well, I mean, are they not? would they not talk about it? I feel like that... Like, See, here's the thing is that these guys that are in like linear television in Hollywood, they don't have content brain. You know what I mean? Because they know everything that they're going to do is at least going to be to some audience due to the network's like reach. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas like if some shit went down like this between a bunch of podcasters and they all had a podcast together, the first thing that they would all text each other is like, all right, so we're definitely asking Mike about the elephant, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it'd be like, this episode's going to get so many views. You know what I mean? Like, they have, like, yeah. these guys don't have content. And so they, I would assume maybe that they would not, that that would not no, happen. And they can't because it's called Strike Force Five. And if they get rid of them, there's only four. And now it's just a lie. Yeah, but they're not getting rid of them. They can't rebrand it. They can't rebrand. These other four major Tonight Show, uh, or sorry, Late Night Show hosts cannot rebrand their podcast. Listen, only one of us here has been on Late Night before, okay? Okay. So, yeah, you, and you were on Jimmy Kimmel, so you I was on. Been, I was on the other Jimmy show. You were good. Let me tell you what. I can't. That clip only got twenty four thousand views, and let me tell you something. Um, although that w- wasn't a big hit, 
Uh, I'm proud of that. <laughs> However, they took it down because it didn't look great on the channel to only have 24,000 views. <laughs> oh, well. Man, what a fucking bummer. So, um, speaking of bummers, yo, actually, speaking of fucking bummers, I got to tell you guys, it is rough having... I keep saying no movies are coming out, but there are movies coming out. It's just I don't care about them because I just feel like, like after Talk To Me... It just flatlined. Does anybody else feel it like really, that? Yes, I got it dropped. I got <sighs> actively upset today, um, thinking about how I have not had movie theater popcorn, and that meant just we have not been to the movies in over yeah. a month. I mean, I could use the Skittles break, so it was nice. But um, <laughs> like the Nun Two came out this weekend, and I, I mean, I'm not going to see that shit. But it, it just made me think for a second, like, damn, yo, we really haven't been to the movies in like. Lit like over a month since we saw talk to me since we seen talk to me yeah pretty much like, just like you really could just they didn't save shit for this like for september end of august september like the the middle i know summer summer blockbusters were trying to do our thing but goddamn, they could have pushed one of these yeah and and like they just didn't you know what i mean and here and here's a problem is that like i know we've been talking about making some changes around here but just a part of me is like, ah, oh, dude, August would have to be like the month that we do all the fun ideas because like I don't want to see any of this fucking garbage that's coming out now. Like I'd never recommend any of this bullshit to people anyway. You know what I right. mean? Like, if no, someone's like, Pat, how's the nun too? I'd be like, what do you mean? Why do, Why would you want to see that anyway? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are you even asking? Why are me? you asking me this? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> It's got it's a nun movie. It's the nun. You know what I mean? Did you like yeah, the well, last one? How do you one? think it's gonna be? Yeah, what did you think? I'll tell you what's gonna happen. For ninety minutes, it's gonna be dark, there's gonna be a nun, and there's gonna be a bunch of sudden bursts of music. And that's gonna be it. It's gonna be a big old haunted house for ninety minutes. That's all <laughs> it is. Like why the fuck do you want me to go into some elaborate breakdown or like what how that like what i felt it, it's not worth it you know what i mean yeah. like I was, it's just not i was really hoping that i would google this and the reviews would just prove you wrong that this is for some reason doing really if well if it was i would have gone and seen it <laughs> the google reviews are at there's 425 ratings and it's at 3.2 3.2 better than metro's rating that's for sure don't bring metro into this <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I don't want to fucking see that shit like that. Uh, um, and what's the, what, there's some other shit that's coming out too. I can't, I, I don't even know. Either way. My point is, is that in the month of August and September, stay home and fucking rewatch the Sopranos for the third time, because that's what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm balls deep in season two right now. And it's wonderful. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Anyway, somehow I was supposed to make this segue into this fucking Rotten Tomatoes I, bullshit. Oh, I was going to say, I have one for you. I was okay, say, go ahead. Uh, this has a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, okay. I mean, and that's kind of lame. You could just be like But I was already on tomatoes. the Sopranos yeah. bit. So oh. if you could have been like, hey, uh, you, know, you know what else has spoiled potatoes? Oh, no, Rotten <laughs> Tomatoes. <laughs> uh uh, Italians are some. I don't know. Anyway, listen. <laughs> Good try. Yeah, it we was. It was a solid. Yeah, it was a solid try. It's, it was the old college try. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes in some hot water. 
man, dude, we are just fucking, we are the fucking tattletales this week, you guys. We're like, listen to this shit that everybody got into. We're, we're coming out. So, uh, this article comes from Vulture, and Vulture did some investigative journalism and found out that a movie publicity company called Bunker 15 um, what is going around inflating the reviews of Rotten Tomatoes movies. Um, now, there was a lot of instant reactions to this around the internet, and I guess I'm assuming you guys could assume what the what the number one one was, right? I think, Liz, do you, would you know what that is? Oh, I don't. What do you, what do you, do you answer confidently? Yes I, or no? No, I do not know. Mike, what do you think it was? What do you think everyone's um, first reaction was? Is it, was it about another movie that got rated too high? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're being you're being very specific, but the the overall general consensus was, oh, of course, of course. That, yeah, no shit. And, like, of course, you of can the, manipulate. It's it. one of those things where, like, there's some major takeaways from this story, and we can get into the nitty gritty of it. But basically, what was happening is this movie, this this movie, uh, specifically this movie, Ophelia, a feminist retelling of Hamlet, starring Daisy Ridley. Critics who had seen the early screenings had published 13 reviews, and seven of them were negative, which translated to a sco- total score of 46 percent of an uh. On Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, like, what one percent higher than the Nun too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, so you know it's quality. Yeah, um, you know, a disappoint, a disappointing outcome for a prestige with prestige, asp- eh, with prestige aspirations and no domestic distributor. But just because the tomato meter says a little tighter, Ryan scoring below sixty percent. It doesn't need to stay that way. So Bunker 15 went to work. While most PR companies aim to get the attention of critics from top publications, Bunker 15 takes a more bottom-up approach of recruiting obscure, often self-published critics who are nevertheless part of the pool tracked by Rotten Tomatoes. So they purposefully, they purposefully go in and they find the inconsequential ones. And they... um. They bring them in and they pay them to write good reviews. Um, Not a great idea. In another break from standard practice, several critics say that Bunker 15 pays them $50 or more for each review. These payments are are not typically disclosed and Rotten Tomato says it prohibits reviewing based on financial incentive. Um... It says that, but there's no way they can enforce that, number one. No. Um, and number two, the other thing here is that, like, once again, there is some nuance here that I think should be looked at as far as, first of all, there's two ways to calculate Rotten Tomato scores, I think, or at least to interpret them. Number one is this is the type of movie that it is, be it a crime movie, a uh, romance a comedy a superhero movie and this score indicates how successful it was at being that type of movie you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's one way to interpret it the other way i think to interpret it is out of the critics that have seen this movie this is the percentage of them that found it enjoyable 
So, like, The Flash got 60-something percent. So, 60-something percent of the critics said that The Flash was baseline enjoyable. That's yeah. Or that they liked it, at the very least. That's what, what, what say, they I'd did and didn't like, like. But that's yeah. that's the way I always interpret it. There's, there's two ways to go about it. I'd say it's, like, both, you know, did they like it and would they recommend it? Because, like, their job as a critic... Is basically to either tell you yes you should see it or yes you should or no you yeah, shouldn't. Yeah, and see I think it. every critic has a different pair of shoes that they step into. Like I know the way I like to do it is I look at a movie and I say, did this accomplish everything that it set out to do? At least in my opinion, that's how I review a movie. I know, um, I know one. Uh, there's another critic on another podcast that I have guested on twice, handful of times, who when he reviews a movie, the way he does it is he puts himself into the shoes of somebody he thinks that would like this movie. And did it do the things that he thinks people who likes these movies would like? Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little more selfish than that. <laughs> so um, <laughs> care about me. I care about my me, enjoyment. My enjoyment. Like, <laughs> whereas, um, whereas I just don't think that's the case uh, with uh, with a lot of critics on Ron. A lot of them are also high on their own supply too. So let's you know that, and not yeah. all this is a game. So, um, that's, that's why you have to like always go through and like, you showed me how to do it actually is where it's like you go in and you look at the critic review and then you look at the top rated critic review, which that's usually gives you a more accurate answer. Yeah. And I didn't know you could do that. You literally just click on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that actually shows you like the people who give a shit about movies are like respected critics. Yeah. Not just the people who are the bunker 15, $50 hires (laughs) going in and like reviewing a movie. I so I never really look into. I'm sure it's like a fucking Visa gift card too. It's not just like fifty dollars uh, cash. So it's tax. It's Verizon. like forty eight twenty five. I've never really looked into Rotten Tomatoes. Can you see like what reviews they leave for other movies, like a like a Uber yeah, you situation? Can, you can click on a uh, like an Uber situation. You can click on the critic, and then you can see what what scores they gave movies, yeah. and if they would say it's rotten or. So is that how they figured out all these people were like paid off? Um, actually we'll get to that. Okay, cool. So in October of that year, an employee of the company emailed a prospective reviewer about Ophelia. It's a Sundance film. And the feeling is that it's been treated a bit harshly by some critics. Um, so the teams involved feel like it would benefit from a more input from different critics quote, (laughs) more input from different critics is not very subtle code. And the prospective critic wrote back to ask what would happen if he hated the film. The Bunker 15 employee replied that, of course, journalists are free to write whatever they like, but that, quote, super nice ones are the more and there are more critics like this than I expected. Like, but that they like the super nice ones often not agreed to publish bad reviews on their unusual on their usual websites, but to instead quarantine them on smaller blog that RT never sees. I think it's a very cool thing to do. <laughs> I think that's a very cool, hip thing to do. If done right, the trick would help ensure that Rotten Tomatoes logged only positive reviews and not the negative ones. Damn. So they were taking. So do you guys know how Rotten Tomatoes works? I, I want to explain this to everybody so we all get it. The Go for f- it. Uh, Liz, if you want to write down the time code for this, because this is very important. Um, Rotten Tomatoes does not review the movies. A bunch of critics from different publications YouTube channels, blogs, TikToks, Instagrams, anything that they legitimizes them as a voice in the movie space leaves their review on Rotten Tomatoes. That's what they do. 
They leave their review. They say if it's positive or negative, and what would they score it out of 10? And that gets them on the site. So to sit there and always say crazy shit like, oh, the Rotten Tomatoes critics are at it again, just means that you didn't at least you didn't baseline understand this situation. The second thing you gotta understand is this. Number one, the general sentiment is true. Of course this was gonna happen because understand that Hollywood is still hyper-capitalist corporate America, and if there is a system to game, they're going to try and game game it. it. And Rotten Tomatoes is a flawed system. It is. There's no way to verify who's on the other end of that. You know what I mean? I I get that they do their best, but ultimately you can't know. It's the internet. Anonymity is forever on the internet. Um, I mean, it's also set up that way that, you know, you just go and you're looking at an aggregate score. You're yeah. not looking at like, you know, these people liked it, this demographic liked it. It doesn't break down things like any more specifically than audience and critic. No, I get th- I you know what? Yeah, I agree with that. But the but I think the thing is like it was just it was never supposed to be something that I you know what the problem is was um dependency. You know what I mean? It holds like, too much weight now. It's like the few it's like the human feature creep. You know what I mean? Where it's like over time, things just become a part of life. And I remember a decade ago, you could you could check Rotten Tomatoes and look at a review. And I remember I said to my dad, he wanted to go see that fucking movie with um, Robert De Niro and uh, Sylvester Stallone and Kevin Hart. It was the about Expendables? them. No, 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 it was about them boxing. Kevin Hart wasn't in the Expendables. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, <laughs> I said that before you did. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, uh, irresponsible. Grudge match? Grudge match. Grudge match, yes. Yeah, that's so, it. if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Grudge Match um, has a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes, if I'm not... 31. 31, 31. Right okay. All right. This came out in 2013. Yes, I remember it was... 11% of top critics. <laughs> yeah, dude, because it was a bunch of bullshit. It came out December 25th. Yeah, okay. So it was definitely over the Christmas holiday and it was snowy as fuck outside because uh, my dad dragged me to this movie and he was like, I want to see that movie. And I was like, that it didn't get good reviews. And his response was, I don't care what the critics say. Nowadays, though, one third of ticket sales could potentially be affected by the score on Rotten Tomatoes. That is wild. That's crazy to me that people put that much stock in in the number that they see. And to be fair, my rule used to be if it's got a 50 or over, I'll see it in theaters. Okay. Um, but nowadays, it's really, if anything, interests me. You know what I mean? Like, we saw that new, um, what was that? What was that other one that we saw? Uh, There's been a lot. Uh, you need to be more. Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Uh, I'm in all the horror movies. I'm directing this one. Patrick Wilson, Insidious Five. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We saw Insidious Five. That movie was fucking stupid. That movie, like, it was not good. It would, and I think (laughs) it only scored like a thirty something on Rotten Tomatoes, and yet I still went to go see it. You know what I mean? But I also do this, you know, so 
You know I mean, what I mean? Like, Mike, how do you feel about the uh, Rotten Tomatoes meter as a whole? I mean, I think it's, I'm not going to lie. It's something that I look at and I take into consideration when we're, like, looking to, <laughs> you know, when we're having our, like, back-end you know conversation. You know, what, you know what's the good way? It's just checking the vibes. That's all it it's is. It's checking the vibes. It's checking like, the vibes. What, Does this movie I pass feel, the vibe check, you know? I feel what you do with it and how you kind of preface it to us actually really works because you're kind of like, okay, like the pre-release or the early releases, they're like, okay, it's going good. We're getting like an 80. We're getting this or, and then, and then you, you see know, that after number it properly comes, comes out, <laughs> you just see that number going down and you're like, okay, so more of the reviews are coming in. People that are less like, you know, snooty hoity toity are reviewing this and it's coming in more accurately. Um, um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So the one question I did have for you guys is before we get off this topic, off the top of your head, what movies do you think that came out recently that have had inflated reviews or TV shows? I think anything that's like, I mean, I'm going to go like, I think Barbie's probably had an inflated review, not from the sense of I not to undermine the like, you know, the elements of Barbie and the movie that it is. Mm -hmm. But I think. When you, it's, it to me is the Taylor Swift syndrome of things. It's like, yeah, that fandom is going to go in there and fight tooth and nail to make sure that shit does the best and that shit is at the top. Like, you, you know, we're going to see this with the Taylor Swift era's tour. Oh, movie. okay. That's what you're going to, that's what you meant. I thought you meant, yeah, uh, the demographic that exclusively gives said using teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> I think well I think it's I think it's that same kind of thing. I think they're going to be like, look, it's like a diehard fandom and it's like, you know, there is a um a fandom and like a a, a like almost like a little bit of like a cultism around it in a good way. Liz, like, you what, know, that people just latched on. Liz, what about you? I'm trying to think, but all of the movies that I've enjoyed this year, so like we have Spider-Man, we have Guardians of the Galaxy, we have Barbie, we have yeah, Oppenheimer. Remember, this happened in this, 2018. So oh, this has been going on for the last 5 years. You want to know what movie I keep thinking of that I can't get away from? What movie? Thor Love and Thunder is the first one that comes to mind oh. for me. Dude, that, was, um, that movie is ass. A, yeah. A, uh, another one that I think of is um, uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. I absolutely yeah, think that one has... I don't think that movie is necessarily bad, but it absolutely is not as good as it is rated. At least I don't think so. Um, no, nowhere close. I think um, there's some other ones too. Moonlight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Moonlight. No, uh, the Revenant. No. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh. Um. I mean that movie's good, but it's too fucking long. Uh, that's really its only problem. I don't think that movie's got any problems with reviews. Uh, either way, yeah, there's definitely some. Oh, um. Potentially, no, I don't think what so. Because I like just, that movie. No, just say it. What movie? Potentially, the female Ghostbusters movie that um, came out in fucking 2016. It's possible. I've seen it. It's atrocious. I think it has like a, a score in the 70s though, and like, you know what I mean? It's I, a bad movie. I feel like it's also a balancing act because I feel like if you score a movie too high with your bots, people are going to be like, wait a fucking minute. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's going to get a closer look. Whereas, like, if it's in the 60s or 70s, it's still positive. But it's like, okay, so it's not great. But Yeah, it has a 74%. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. so that's my point is that, like, do you think, you know, is it super botting or is it just like, let's give it a little bump? You know, let's just make sure it's a little red right there. 
I, I think we're gonna see. I think we're really gonna see this coming out more. Like more more studios are gonna like either. I, I'm not gonna say admit to doing it, but you're gonna see some whistle blowing. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you? I hope so. Do you think this ever goes in like the opposite direction? Like, do you think there's like review bombing? Like, you know how you know you just use the term, right? Like, yeah. Well, I <laughs> like, so, so when I think about it, I see. It does on, this like, thing I just said and have a name exist? <laughs> yes, but I mean, I see it usually in the context of like people oh, reviewing do businesses. Do you think other studios are review bombing other movies? sure if we want to take um, it that far but like i mean just in general like do you think people are like i hated this movie and i want to watch it film whether it's studios whether it's whoever i don't know there's people that are way too have you online been on, have you been on the internet at all not really ever no not at all liz, liz. <laughs> everything gets review bombed with like like that anything that's slightly that starfield's got review bombed um Last of Us got review bombed. Yes, Diablo Four was had a ten, and it got review bombed to a point four. Okay, like, so you're naming video games. Yeah. Uh, we think we'll start seeing it more for movies. What, what do you mean? It already happened. Miss Marvel was the fucking tip of the spear. They had to implement <laughs> a whole new, uh, a whole new verification system for people. Like you had to verify that you saw the movie. Um. Before you could leave a review, Miss Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel was the first one. That was 2019. Mm -hmm. um, that was the f that was like the first big one. Last Jedi. That truthfully, I don't think was a review bombing. I think that was more people were very upset about that movie. Whereas Captain Marvel, I think, just said something about like I want this to be inclusive, but she also said it in a pretty cynical tone that did not land well. So uh, that stirred up the sweaties, and they uh, it's uh. They sweat. 79%, but the audience score with over 100,000 ratings is yep. 45%. Yeah, that I knew is 100. There you I remember go. the last time I saw it, it was around like 39%, but that was also in like 2019. So, you know, it's totally. No, fun. you didn't you watch it again on a plane recently? Yeah, but I listen, I don't think that movie's bad. I think that movie got review bombed because yeah. Brie Larson said some shit that a bunch of fucking insecure dudes on the internet didn't like. That's all that's all yes. that happened. Like That's all that happened. And don't get me wrong, I agree with what Brie Larson said, but I also agree with the idea that she could have said it in a better way. That's mm -hmm. that's and I think if she is a person that grows like everybody else over time, she would say that as well. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where I'm gonna leave that. But yeah, this has happened time and time again. Um I um what's it called? But as far as studios review bombing other studios movies, that is some Snyder fan territory we will not dip into. <laughs> However, I would not be surprised if it if the idea didn't wasn't floated around a boardroom. Okay. Was, is, I agree. Is what I would say. And then the other thing I would just like wrap all this up in a bow is just that um don't think for a second that this isn't going to continue to happen because it will. This isn't the oh, end. Yeah, it's just you need to listen. I, there are a couple critics on the Internet for video games and movies that I uh, I trust their perspective on things. But I also disagree with some things that skill up is my favorite video game reviewer of all time. I don't make a purchase unless he makes a video on it. However, I didn't like his Last of Us video. I don't agree with a single thing he says about that video. Um, 
uh, about I mean um about that video game. Not that video game. However, yeah. I still watched it and I appreciated his input. You know, to hear uh, hear the opposite perspective. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's you want to find somebody who's well rounded, not somebody that's always feeding you the same fucking garbage. You know. Yeah. And then go big, big, go based upon that. You know what I mean? Um, don't just uh, don't just look at a number on a screen and be like, well, this is good. Well, the, the you know the number the no, I don't think the number should be the quality. It should be the vibes. That's what we're gonna do from now on. It's the vibes. It's the vibes. It's like all right, they're they're vibing on this one. You know, is this vibe forty six percent of them are vibing on this one. Is that so? This is becoming not a vibe strong check vibes. podcast. What if we started a movie review website that was just you how know, are the vibes? vibes? What are the how are the vibes? Or is it vibing? You know what I mean? We'll figure it movie out. Movie vibes. You know, movie vibes. Damn. All right, we're going to cut Damn. this part out. Anyway. Oh, shit, don't tell anybody. <laughs> so, uh, you wanna, I got I got a, I got a good transition. Oh, okay, hit me with it. Uh, speaking of a uh, company feeding us the same shit. Oh, wow. Quite a strong <laughs> statement actually. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about Starfield now. Um Listen, I am a child of uh, the early to mid two thousands. Okay, of God, of God. Uh, I was, a, I was <laughs> born. I was, God, I, baby girl. I guess I was a nineties baby. You know what I mean? But I, it, it's not the same as uh, you know, like I, I didn't form a personality until the early two thousands. You know what I mean? And I feel like that was all the same for you guys as well, right? Oh no, <laughs> I was a crazy five-year-old running around in the 90s yeah but liz that doesn't mean you have a personality though oh i was great no i was great okay (laughs) okay you are just saying you didn't have the nuances of taste and stuff like that speak for yourself okay anyway (laughs) jesus christ all right so i i have entitled this this segment just called my starfield experience because truthfully starfield is just like every other bethesda game that i've played ever before ever ever uh i have played fallout 3 i have played fallout new vegas i have played a bit of skyrim and um anything else i i played the wolfenstein games mm-hmm. and uh i guess doom is bethesda but that's really id software bethesda is just the publisher yeah um so, but this is a bethesda developed game and let me be the first to say that uh, it really is, it, it's it's a return to form for Bethesda in the sense that um, all of their games since Skyrim have been dog water. <laughs> um, Fallout Four kind of fell flat on its face. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? Uh, dude, from I loved Fallout New Vegas. Like, yeah, Fallout New Vegas is one of my favorite games. I could not tell you the amount of hours I put into Skyrim. That's what it Fallout. feels like, dude. It feels like I'm playing New Vegas again, and it's so refreshing. That's good, but yeah, because Fallout 3 was great. Fallout 4, oh my god, did they miss the mark. <laughs> I feel like in their leap to get it to work on the next generation consoles, they scaled back what you could do quite a lot, and they made a lot of odd choices. Yeah. But um, you're 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 coming in positive with this. Like, I am. I am coming in positive, actually. So here's um, here's some th- stuff that I, I wrote down, and as I go through them, I'll give more details and stop me if you have any questions. So, uh, this is much more reminiscent of Fallout Three in New Vegas. I said that before, but it's much more that than it is the Elder Scrolls, which is not surprising. Um, I love 
the on-foot gameplay and the exploration of, pay attention now, the developed areas. That's all fun. <laughs> like, going in, what's this city like? What's this fucking uh, guy doing here? What's his job? What do these people do? What do, You know, it's not like fucking... Um, it's not like Star Wars where there's just aliens wandering around or, like, different species of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's all basically human or humanoid people. Um, but it's just, like, it's 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 almost, like, industrial sci-fi. Like, think of, like, Alien. You know how they're basically, like, truckers in space? That's what this is like. It's It's got that yeah. vibe to it. I think I read something that said it was, like, NASA steampunk. Um, the gunplay and the combat yep. are also very fun. I'm not really into using the melee weapons, not really feeling that, but I am enjoying the guns quite a bit. The guns are fun. I do like the guns. Um, yeah. most of most of what I'm seeing is people are people are. I mean, it's a Bethesda game, so it's going to be buggy. It's going to be inconsistent with performance. It's going to have its classic issues. I don't think you can get around that. I think when you're making games of this scale and of this caliber and just Bethesda, it's kind of like you expect it from Bethesda and it's not it's not horrible. Like it's what makes it fun almost is like a kind of like you're like, oh, look at this little like dude freaking out over here. You have a little bit of fun outside of like getting like, you know, save locked in a place where you instantly die. But I think what I was hoping for with this game was kind of like what, what was it outer worlds was that the um yeah those are the obsidian guys they did yeah. new vegas Indians, yeah the, who like you said who did new vegas i really liked outer worlds and i liked outer worlds a lot because of its limited scope of play like there were limits to like you you flew around and you could like jump planet to planet but you weren't like it i it didn't suffer from what um no man's sky suffered from where there's vast amounts of nothingness mm -hmm. and vast amounts of repeated you know, copy and paste bullshit content that doesn't make it fun. Yeah, yeah, like, no, no, no. There's definitely not. Like you said there's definitely. Well, you like I said, you got to be looking in the. You got to go looking for nothing. You know what I mean? Like everywhere yeah. I've visited, because it's been on a side quest, or it's been, you know, some of the things I've heard is they. I've heard don't just mainline or just mainline the the quests. You know what I mean? Don't just do the fucking main quest immediately. You do mm -hmm. um you do uh, some of the side quests too. And that's what how I've been approaching it. Like I joined a faction. I joined the free, uh, was it the free space rangers or some shit like that. So I could go to combat with these one guys and like, so I could pick up a note that lets me get this ship and like, the, you know what I mean? So I've been doing a lot of that. So I've been doing a lot, a little bit over here so I can pick up this item and then go get this, this suit. You know, I, um, I also exploited the glitch in the beginning where like you can just walk you can to, get that suit. You get that suit. I did get that. Yeah. And now it makes everything less exciting because all of the suits You're I pick up are just well, not overpowered. It's I don't even think it made that much of a difference in the gameplay. It's just nothing lives up to it now. So like yeah. so I've just capped and, off the suit like what like you can mod that suit and make it anything that you want it to be, but you know, it's just it has the highest base stats I guess you can have. Yeah. So and I think that, like, what you're describing is what I hear everybody loving about the game. The side content and the vastness of the, like, the the, the world in the way of, like, like you said, if it's not in the main storyline, 
all of the stuff that has to do with these side characters, these NPCs, these other quests, these like, you know, side quests, tangential quests are what really make the game fun. But a lot of people, it's one of those things where it's like a lot of people are like, look, I want to focus on that and I want to focus on the main quest. And I don't really care about too much like of the random exploration outside well, of like following kind of like, you know, your quest markers or your quest law. I think, you know what, I, I sure it's possible, but I think a lot of the reason why I'm jumping off the main quest is because it's boring as fuck. Like, so um, I'll just um, what's it called? I'll I'll go ahead and I'll re- I'll get to that, but I'll go ahead and read more of this list. Uh, yeah. Performance, the frames are all over the place. <laughs> it's between the 40s, and I get as high as like I saw 166 the other day. Um, in depending on the area, so wh- at one time I had frame drops so crazy it went down to like four FPS. Not like that Oof. guy. Not like that guy that put uh twenty thousand potatoes in his ship, yeah. <laughs> or like that guy that put sandwiches all over his ship and then took off, <laughs> and it just almost crashed his game. Love um, it. usually more crowded city streets are more taxing, while the indoors and like space travel are nice and smooth, which makes sense. It never dips below fifty. I mean, uh, below forty. Sorry, um, I've never seen it get that low. Or uh, I've only seen it okay. as low as like 48, 45. So then um, I'm currently running a combat persuasion style of play. So like I pretty much like try and like talk my way through things. And if not, then I have to shoot my way through things. Um, there's nothing more exciting than uh, persuading Fa- your way. Failing something. a persuasion check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that does hurt. <laughs> But what I like about this is the upgrade systems, actually, this is a great segue into that, is that so I can put more points, like I unlocked the persuasion talents, and now I have access to persuasion. I can put more points into persuasion specifically, right? So I can get to the point where I can just persuade my way through any conversation, or order persuade is always filled up, so I can just hold R and just get what I want immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I can put, like, points into specifically ballistic weapons so all the guns like they do 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent. now they do 50 percent more damage doesn't matter what gun you're holding you know what i mean um mm-hmm. then on top of that you can do okay now shotguns do 10 percent more damage you know what i mean you can build into really specific builds like piloting or jetpack or um you know your uh your your hp or your endurance you know there's lots of cool stuff you can just build right into and make it exactly how you want to play the game but don't get it twisted. This game is very much a you need to play it how you're going to play it because you're not just going to bulldoze your way through certain situations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're a stealth build, you got to play stealth because you're going to get fucked in face-to-face combat. If you're a right. face-to-face you combat boy, good luck. Good luck getting around without being seen. And, like, because, yo, you can just steal shit and they will sick motherfuckers on your ass. And you can't keep what you got and you have to give money to get out of the situation. It sucks. That's that's what I'm I'm seeing a lot of the other like really positive reviews come out of it is saying this game is fantastic for like the character design development and almost like role playing like oh that's you're, right like, bro I'm- the character designing was crazy did you see that did you see that one British guy go fucking crazy over the pronouns dude yeah because we're fucking boring we're boring California group think. Oh, like he was losing. I, I his love that shit. everybody 
everyone was getting a little pissy because they were like, oh, you're getting this guy canceled just for this? And it's like, nah, this dude threw a baby tantrum and got made fun of. I was <laughs> like, like, what are you canceling like, him? He's, and like, his, it's just like, he's, he's got one of those fucking clickbait, like, oh, the, the, you know what I mean? He basically, like, he runs the YouTube form of a plantation. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> pretty much Honestly. what it comes down to. Like, and, that was he saw a chance to fucking you know content brain. He saw a chance to farm some views, and turns out he went hyper viral. It, Boy, I sure do did. love his British accent though, and I do love the fucking uh, the outrage notes he hits. You know what I mean? When somebody's <laughs> screaming, uh, ah, you know, because we're boring. <laughs> you know, like, I like, I don't know. I just I think that's the amusing part, not necessarily uh, this guy going what he's off going the on about rails. yeah what he's going off the rails. Um, so let's see what's next on my list here. Okay. So, um, the companion system is fun. I enjoy that. You can either pick to be an introvert or an extrovert where if you're an extrovert and you choose to have a companion, you get buffed where if you're an introvert and you have a companion, you don't get the buffs. If you go it alone, you get buffed. So it's really like, what are you into? The AI system is good though. You know, um, you can, your AI buddy can carry stuff for you. You can trade gun. You can, equip them with stuff um they're great in combat because they aggro a lot of the shit for you so you can just you know go somewhere and just yeah. pick people off with a rifle um but yeah it's i i love the the ai companion system it's fun i i i feel like it's a it's a good addition to uh gameplay what do you think of with this game being on game pass now Oh, you, dude, that's the you, best part about this shit is that because I would have never got this if it wasn't on Game Pass. Not that I think it's a bad game. I just don't think it's as great as everyone was hoping it for it to be. Because let's be honest, the reviews are mixed, but they are mixed positive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, these aren't this is no indication of a bad game, I don't think. But I would say that it's indication of a game that did not live up to the hype. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that it's going to net positively being out on Game Pass because if you paid, what, like $70 for this game and you're still running the same fucking engine as Fallout 4. Okay, so that's the other thing, too. Much, it's not, um, it's not, I know it's not the same, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not, necessarily the same engine but they updated the creation engine now they call it creation too and it's just like come on just fucking get a new one or go to unreal bro like come on that's what they, they really need to especially if they're touting all of this next gen experience the fact that you todd howard is like okay well get a better pc like get good spend money yeah. if you want to run this game okay accurately. so that was the other thing too so do you know the whole context behind that can you explain that for everyone here it's just like he basically said that i don't have the article on with me on top of it but it was pretty much kind of like look this is a next gen game this is the, you know we're pushing the frontier we're the you know expanding the profile of what gaming can be and you need to have a good gaming rig to do this right right, yeah, right. is that what he said you know, it's pretty much just like i mean i get it like Sure, if you were putting this out in a different platform, if this was an entirely VR game and you were people were complaining that it was choppy because they're running it on a moderate system, but you should be able to drop quality or, you know, 
there are so many options under graphics that you can use to that you should be able to run a game smoothly and get consistently around 60 frames and people are just having a total issue with it in this game and to me that speaks to a lack of optimization rather than like have a good computer yeah um to an extent of course like you know i'm not expecting to be able to run brand new games on a 15 year old machine by any means but yeah no no no. i totally get that um i will say this it it definitely it it's funny how like it run it runs on like it runs on xbox really well obviously like you're getting 30 fps um or like a performance mode for 60 fps or whatever but um oh fuck what what was i gonna say or no, I think it's locked at 30 FPS on the console. Either way, those consoles are only worth like 2080s or something. You know what I mean? It's not like we're already yeah. we're already two graphics card generations ahead of that. So like, if it's optimized for Xbox, everyone's card that's above that should blow through it no problem. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it shouldn't so, be an issue. Yeah. So there's definitely some optimization, and I think having a new engine would certainly help. You know what I mean? The the thing with that for me is that they've had so long. I mean, when did Fallout Fallout Four come out? Um, that's back in 2015. So we're almost a decade from Fallout Four. The fact that like they could have spent five, six, seven years building a new engine, and then two, three years like you know what building this kind of in tandem with it, but then another two years like in development with that. Like you could have had a brand new engine, or like you said, just go to unreal well, so i'll be honest i i don't presume to know how how game development works like fluidly but i will say that you need to develop build the engine first to build a game that works within it and the reality of the situation is that building a game engine is hard as fuck as well you know what i mean so um i am I uh what's it called? I'm not surprised that Bethesda didn't build one. I just wish that they would. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. It's it's yeah, it's not like like you said, we're both not game designers. I'm not going to pretend to be like building a game engine is easy. Um I'm just thinking with the like level of resources that you have and the availability of you wanting to dedicate. <laughs> oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Level. It's more that. It's <laughs> like, like, get yeah, off, if you were get off your shit. fucking ass and give us something that's worth yeah. it. Yeah. If you were just a little shit company, I'd be like, that's fine. Like, don't do it. But it's Bethesda for God's sake. I was like, you re-release Skyrim every year and you've made like GTA level profit with that. So <laughs> yeah, let's uh, do something. So then, um, so here's, uh, the end of my positive stuff. Mm-hmm. The best game for me. This is the uh, this is a great game for me, and it's the best game for a type of person uh, that doesn't have a lot of time, or rather, they like to maximize their time. So, um, this is the best game to play while you're listening to other media, such as um, I mean, listening to other media, pretty much. So, podcast, video. Uh, episodes of The Sopranos while you're playing Starfield, <laughs> you can do that. You can do that. This is the best type of game for it. Even in Far Cry, that's it. You know what? Actually, Mike, now that I'm talking about it, this game is. Uh, I don't find this game to be as fun as Far Cry. I like because okay. Far Cry is like anything goes. You know what I mean? Like I'll call in this fucking helicopter and get out of here and like jump in this boat and this whatever. Where Starfield has more like these. 
executable like um yeah you know what i mean like it's a very curtailed experience you know which to me is interesting for a game that they touted as like expansive and explorative yeah to have like yeah. a very curtailed type experience uh, so the I'm, one, I'm, so two of the things though i should clarify i have not done ship building yet i have not gotten mm-hmm. to that point and i have not done base building yet i have not gotten to that point either I heard the shipbuilding mechanics are extremely fun, extremely cool, and I saw a, um, I think I saw a tweet that was talking about how you, like, I love when, like, you know, people do this with games. They made a ship, they recognized that the AI for enemy ships will shoot at the center of your oh, ship. Oh, I saw to this too, always... yeah, and some yeah. guy built, like, so, a fucking cube or something, right? He yeah. built, like, he built, like, yeah, the framework of a cube so that his ship would never basically be hit by any, like, enemy lasers, and I'm like... I love when you get like under the hood with that and learn that kind of shit in games. Yeah. Like that's so cool to me. So, um, just, uh, and so the base building thing is that I've heard some people have gotten their bases to a point where they're getting 60,000, um, 60,000 experience a minute, or some people oh are getting like 2,500 credits every two minutes or something like that. So they've wow. they've figured it out. So there's plenty of vid- YouTube videos on that already. Um, and also, um, going back to what I was saying before about how like um, I don't f- I, I just feel like this is an open world game, but it's a be- very Bethesda curtailed experience. Specifically, space travel I find to be wonderful because it's not really like you have to. It's you know you're flying through space. And space is not that fun to fly through. Let's be honest. It's just a vast openness, right? And you got to hyper jump around and slingshot around planets and stuff. And you got to plan routes according to your fuel consumption and shit like that, right? And it is a set of, it, it is a set of menus. You know what I mean? You can pretty much be on the ground, pull up your menu, go to your, go to your mission, chart a course to where that is on the map by hitting the show on map key, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you can fast travel to it, you go ahead and you hit travel, you know, and you go right there immediately. Right. And like you see the and then there are times where um, you either have to board a ship or you have to fight a a fleet of ships or you have to you have to collect something that's out in space or you have to go find something. So then you board your ship, you get into the pilot's um, chair and you fly off into the planet and it's a loading screen and now you're out in space and once you're out of space, you got to put in, you got to put stuff into your grab drive and like boot up and stuff. So there is some stuff to space travel, but it's not like let's get in this ship and fly off the planet. I mean, it's not like GTA of space. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I don't think you need. That's what, that's what, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, no Man's Sky did. Yeah. You could get in and you can fly right off of it. Yeah. Whereas this I enjoy more. And also because. Uh, since the loading time, since all the process is not necessary, it, it's just it's just I can devote a little bit more attention to whatever I'm watching and what I'm doing on the screen is inconsequential. You know what I mean? Uh, so this section I have here is called kind of negatives, but not enough to keep me from playing. Number one <laughs> story is Garbo. I don't care about a single story or characters and running off the back of that. Dude, the facial animations are inexcusable. Um, they also stole some of the camera angles 
right from other games uh i like the for instance the outer worlds where it like zooms in and it's like you're having a face-to-face conversation with someone as opposed to like fallout or like it would like be someone would just like turn their head and look at you you know what i mean um also there is zero cinematic presentation um like get it together bethesda like i think that for games that are that are supposed to be you know, you when you think of a game like God of War, and I get, I get, I get, it's a different game, right? I get it's a totally different game. You know what? Actually, let's not do God of War. You think of something like old school Warcraft or like the mm-hmm. old World of Warcraft expansions. Remember seeing those CG trailers for games that you fucking just clicked. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, use WA like with an isometric view. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that. To seeing that that those cinematics <laughs> and presented like that is what got you hype and what gave that game that prestige, you know. Um, it had that level like of wine and it had wine that, and dine me yeah, it had that level of quality. It set your expectations. It helped your imagination expand into what the the veracity of such an environment could be like. Whereas, <laughs> like you think, and then and then in bringing back God of War, you think about it like this, like. That game incorporates cinematics into its gameplay, right? So it not only compels you with its fun beat 'em up gameplay style, it compels you with its story and how it emotionally brings the viewer um, uh, through the arcs of the characters. Mm-hmm. This game, I can't do any of those things because there is zero cinematic presentation. It's like a lot of the time, like, wow, they had to work on this cutscene for a really long time. Whereas with, with like Starfield, I'm like, did you think they spent more than five minutes on this? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I get a lot of that has to do with the skill with the with the um dialogue tree. But I've done dialogue trees in The Witcher. I've done dialogue trees in Assassin's Creed games. I've done dialogue trees in Mass Effect. Uh, damn, yo, I say I don't like dialogue trees, but I play a lot of fucking good ass games. With I was gonna say, trees. I've most played of these Skyrim. Games are... I've played New Vegas. I've played Fallout Three. And you want to know what? Like, um, like I get it. I get why. You, but those games, I feel like, did them better than this. Like, it's just a, it's. Just, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm being too harsh on it in that front. But no, I, I would say it just, it just. I feel like for 2023 and for a game that you need a fucking, um. 1070 ti just to get it to 30 minimum 30 fps minimum on a pc like i just kind of feel like there should be a little bit more presentation yeah i i think i think that's what um there's a lot of criticism about the dialogue in this game yeah um, i could see why a, like especially coming off of people I mean, Boulder's Gate 3 is obviously still such a big game right now, and the depth of, like, dialogue and kind of conversation and fun that that has, a lot of people are really... It's one of those unfortunate times to be like, oh, shit, you're up against that, and, you know, that's knocking it out of the water. Um, When there's a time when you're going to be home a lot, Wink, uh, <laughs> I'm getting Baldur's Gate 3, so we should definitely do a campaign. Oh. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna play that. I really want to. Yeah, when I'm done with the musical, I want to, and then when I have some time. Um, okay. So here's what I'll say, just to wrap this all up. Overall, I'd give this a solid eight out of ten. I can mm-hmm. see myself sinking a lot of time into it over the next couple of weeks and throughout the holidays. And something, uh, and it's something to do 
while you throw on a TV show or a podcast or a, a, a or binge an entire playlist of YouTube videos specific to horror content. Cause it's spooky season motherfuckers and that's what we do in this house. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's what I'd so, say. So the vibes are good. The vibes are good. It, it passes the vibe check for okay. sure. Yeah. Vibes are good. It's a positive vibe. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not a negative vibe. We awesome. don't want negative vibes. Amazing. I love it. Okay. All right. Clip of the week. Sure. Oh, buddy. Mike, Where you like Ren Fairs, right? <laughs> Been to one or two. Let's do it. Oh, shit. Wait, keep, keep playing. Keep playing. <laughs> They try to pull it out of his head. Yeah, because you know, this guy was just like, I'm going to go to the fucking fake Ren Fair duel and drive a piece of stainless steel into the back of this guy's head. Look at this. Look at this. Holy Look shit. This. What did he think would happen? He was like, wow. It, for that guy to go down like that, it definitely had to hit his head, right? Like It's, it's in his head. <laughs> Keep playing. Do we see? Do we see blood? <laughs> I like how these guys come in with flags. This, like this, guy, this like, guy. I love how this. Like they are pretending this is some sort of sanctioned sporting event. There have to be medics there, right? And, and these guys come out with these flags like they mean anything to anyone. That's what I'm saying. They're like there has shirts. to be like some sort of EMT there, right? You would think the fact that he tries to pull it out of this guy's head at first and then it's like, oh, shit, hold on. <laughs> well, you see his legs move, so he's definitely not out cold. Watch his legs. Well, you know, he could be having that, like, response you have after you, like, are dying. <laughs> My axe is in his nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, dude, I love this. Look at this. This like, you know what this is? Hmm. So when I was a kid, right, and I'm going to I'm going to tell a story right now. It's not going to take long, though. When I was a kid, um. My brother pissed me off. I, I had to be like three years old, by the way, in this story. Okay. When I was a kid, apparently, I don't remember doing this. My brother Michael tells it the best. I, my brother did something to me to piss me off. And I took a fucking Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> Lionel. On brand. Like a Thomas the Tank Engine Lionel, like an O gauge train. If anybody is familiar with model trains, that's a big motherfucker, especially in 96 or whatever this was. And he turned around <laughs> and he turned around to like play video games or whatever after fucking, you know, chewing me out over something. I guess if that's what four-year-olds or five-year-olds did. And I, and according to my brother, Michael, I stood back and like wound up and over my head took this train and fucking 
whipped it at the back of his head. <laughs> and he had to get stitches. I fucking nailed him so hard. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and this video invokes that same energy. <laughs> like, just like, he's it's, it's just little brother energy right now trying to get it on the big kid fight. And, like, he just comes in and craters this guy. Like... <laughs> The wind-up, too. The confident wind-up. Like, and, like, dude, the fucking targeting system on this Terminator kid that's in, like... <laughs> oh, look at that. Hold on. Let's see. Can I get a zoom in on that? Can I get oh in on there? Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. That's fucking wild. Oh. He goes down... <laughs> he just... The, the, he goes down so slowly, and that's, like... So disconcerting to me. <laughs> so, so uh, from what, at least this this guy did survive. Um, uh, however, I believe he only had, like, some bruising on the back of his uh, neck and, like, the base of his head. And I believe he was fine. Like, so I believe no, that's no the story. spinal cord no, damage? No, but it's not a good life. Yeah, he's got an axe embedded in the back of his fucking skull for the rest <laughs> of his life. So he got the full experience, though. You know what I mean? Like, if you're... <laughs> Oh, Listen, God. if you're LARPing as a medieval knight, it has to be understood that, like, if more than, I would say, like, two-thirds of those guys died in combat. And not, like, a cool warrior's death. Like, no. Like, you got run on by the fucking flagpole, and now it's in <laughs> your sternum, and you're just screaming, dying, bleeding out. And nobody's yeah, gonna mercy kill you. Like not a good, not a like good, not, not a, a good great, life. And then there's other guys who, even though they only got cut here and there, and they like went home, they still died of infection later on. So, like, so oh like, yeah. I guess my point here is just like you know, th this this is your end game. You know what? What do you think? No, not everyone goes home from the fight, my guy. And you just <laughs> happen to be the one that caught the axe in the head this time. Hey man, <laughs> not everybody's lucky every day. <laughs> it's true, man. Survival of the fittest out it, there. It really is. And Ooh, that guy was shit. not the fittest. He should not ever have turned his back on his opponent like that. You know? <laughs> you're, you're blaming him. Hey, man. Ooh. All's fair in love and war. And all, I, all I'm saying hey. is that you don't turn your back on the guy who's got something to prove and has a battle axe, you know? He's out here to win got, the title, Mike. He's not out here taking this fucking bullshit. He's got something to prove. <laughs> okay. All right. Jesus. Oh, that's right. funny. Well, uh, with that said, uh, thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode of Press Any Key. Um, and we will see you next week for, I don't I don't even know what's happening. I have no idea mystery. what's going on. Ooh. A yeah. I thought you said a murder <laughs> mystery, and I was like, okay, if we could put that together in a week, sure. Like, all right. All right, we'll fine. See. We'll do it. All right, cool. All right, we'll see everybody next week. Goodbye.